get started if you don't care and uh, if you can't hear me I'll try to speak up we don't have our uh, uh, anyway the thing over here that we have sometimes and uh, hopefully you got your notes for tonight on uh, Revelation 13 part 2 and um, just a couple things from uh, last week we only got through one verse so we tried to look last week at all the places in the rest of the Bible where the beast or Antichrist or um, the one who sets up the abomination of desolation, uh, all those places throughout the rest of the Bible to so see here what we can try to understand from the beast. And so as we move forward in chapter 13, we're just going to be assuming that we've already established that, all right? So we're not going to rehash everything out again because we've already looked at those. But a couple things I want to uh, remind you of. One of the questions that we had last week uh, was in, from 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, where it says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. And the question was, that why in some translations does it say the Antichrist? Uh, some it just says a capital Antichrist, and it comes down to um, what every Bible commentator does is they disagree with each other. And so some Bible commentators say it's the singular in the first word, it's the plural in the second, depending on which viewpoint you want to hold to, they'll say, well, no, there's no difference at all. And so really it comes down to, once again, that pretty much however you want to believe Somebody out there can support it for you. And so um, that is what we see here from this verse. And so I think it's best to read that verse, but then also take it into context of what everything else says. And so if you remember, I'm just going to give you these overviews. You can read them for your own time. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, uh, we see about this boastful king who was going to oppress the Jews and try to change their times and their laws. That's the festivals back in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. In Daniel chapter 9, we see the leader who establishes the seven-year covenant with Israel and then breaks it. Uh, in Daniel 9, verse 27, we see the king who sets up the abomination of desolation. We see 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the man of lawlessness. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, we saw the rider on the white horse who brings the false peace. Uh, Revelation 13, we're looking at it here tonight again. But I think the one that really helps me is when you flip over to Revelation chapter 19, uh, talking about the judgment, um, it talks about the beast and his armies defeated. And so in verse 19 it says, And I saw the beast... The kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And so we see here that these two individuals are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And so I 
come back to the idea of how you be, read the book of Revelation as it is a, a real Antichrist, a real tribulation period, a real beast, and a real lake of fire where Satan, uh, these two individuals, and the lost will spend eternity. And so I think we see that in chapter 13, and then we see the final end in chapter 19. And so uh, we're assuming, we're, we've established that we are going to look at that from this standpoint. And so that is how we then move through chapter 13. I don't think there were any other questions other than the influence of, of Satan and his forces that Brzezinski asked, um, but we kind of addressed that last week. Um, so other thoughts? Well, like I said, it's literally... You can study four different people who are all Greek PhD uh, uh, doctrinal students who have wrote their dissertations, and all of them will look at it and and they'll have an interpretation. And I always find it funny because it's like each one of us, however we believe, is the one we're going to gravitate toward. Right. Right. One thing is looking at a Greek interlinear; mm -hmm. it's not there. Well, it well, depends. It doesn't mean that there's not some yeah. language law that puts it there either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it depends on which early yeah, translation it's coming from, right? Verbatim, so, verbatim, yeah. Linear, yeah. So that's the, there, the, the. is not there. Yeah, but the singular is. Right. So Antichrist, right. and then it turns around and say Antichrist. Right. So the question is, right. so why? Why would it have a singular right. and then a plural? And so, like you said, it, it just. Something to find. Yeah, so I think, though, when it says the singular and a plural, and then we see in, in like, 1 Thessalonians where we're told that the rapture is going to happen, and then in the second book we see that this man is going to rise up. Uh, I think that's a strong case when you go book by book um, in Paul's writings to explain why you're being deceived, but don't worry, you've not been deceived. It's not here yet, okay? And so I think you just have to take it all and, and uh, kind of wade through it the best we can. Uh, Yes, that's very true. All right, so we have tonight um, an overview of these chapters, like I said, this chapter. We're going to try to, to wade through it. And so uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast riding up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. And really a better interpretation, if you were trying to study, is, And he stood on the sea of the sand. Uh, so it's this idea of who standing on the sea. Well, it's the dragon. And so uh, what we see here from the sea, and we talked a little bit about this last week, uh, because some people believe it represents humanity. All right? So Revelation 17 says, Then he said to me, The waters which you see where the harlot sits, and so that's the, uh, the, the, the woman in chapter 17, and I won't use the word for it now, but um, you can read about that or wait till we get there. Uh, our peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So this idea of the sea can be someone coming out of the world. That's why many people view the Antichrist as going to be a Gentile, right? He comes out of the nations. But on the flip side of that, we have seen this word for abyss or sea can also be used for demons, the home of the demons. Look in Luke chapter 8. You say we looked at these last week. Yes, but we're going to try to recap, all right? 
For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it often seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound by chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. So for me, I think it's interesting that you have a word that can mean humanity, but you also have a word that can mean the home of the demons. And so when you look at the Antichrist, he is a man who is possessed by demons. So you really have both characteristics in this sentence, right? That he stands on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising up out of that sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. So the seven heads, some people will say that is because Rome is built on seven hills, and Dave mentioned that last week. Other Bible scholars view the seven heads as representing the seven nations that the nation of Israel would know as great world empires, Egypt back in the captivity, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome would have been six nations who have fallen, and this seven would be the worldwide empire of the Antichrist. The ten horns, some people view that as uh, the entire world of kingdoms. Uh, You have to be very careful here because people used to say it is going to be the ten nations of the European Union or the European Economic Council because it tells us it is going to be a revived Roman Empire. And so even some of the uh, architects of the European Union and the European Union Economic Council even have made the statement that we are looking at the revived Roman Empire, okay? But I think you have to be very careful there. Um, Could it be a ten-nation confederacy? Absolutely. Will it most likely be a worldwide confederacy? Uh, Yes. Uh, The ten crowns, uh, as you can see here, is blasphemy, uh, as it's just an attack on religion. And so some people view. Now, be very careful what you hear me, okay, as I make this next statement, all right? For many, many years, Protestants viewed the Roman Catholic Church as the evil, revived Roman Empire. And this is kind of why. It's the seventh empire which has to be revived, which would be Rome. What is in every country, in every nation of the world? Roman Catholic Church. The ten horns, right? represents a power that could be called upon that is above borders, all right? You could build a coalition from every part of the world, and then it is a religion that has been corrupted, all right? A religion that is teaching a false Christ. And so for many, many years, uh, you would have heard that taught. Now, can I say that for certain? No. Am I trying to upset everyone that goes to the Catholic Church? No, all right? I'm just telling you that if you read Bible commentary Rome has a big part to play in the Antichrist's system. And so when you look at Rome today, what separates Rome from any other city in the world is not its economic power, uh, not its military power. Italy lost the Second World War. Um, But it is the overwhelming influence of the Roman Catholic Church. All right? So... Just throwing that out there, all right? I don't need to be stoned or or hate mail. It's just 
for many, many years. That is why you have heard that. And that's why you had so many times where people would say, well, it doesn't matter if you go to a Methodist church or a Baptist church or a Catholic church or a Mormon church. Or a, it, it, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago. It does. It makes a difference if you go to a Mormon it church. It does. It does. It absolutely does, right? Because they've changed who Jesus is, right? That's why I said a couple weeks ago, it absolutely matters where you go to church, right? Someone says, well, they're going, at least they're going somewhere. Whoa, 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 all right? Yes, we want people to have a, a desire to hear the Word of God, but yet we need to be good guides, right, of, of leading them to the truth. And so absolutely it matters where you go and what they believe, okay? But like I said, so that is where that comes from, all right? These descriptions of the seven hills could be Rome, of the fact that it's a false a religion, um, and that's the only worldwide religion when you think about it. Uh, the rise of Islam could be uh, applied in there today, but it's not based in Rome, is it? It's based in the Middle East and uh, uh, in those places. So just something to be very thinking about. It is the fact that he is rising from the pit. He is demon-possessed, demon-influenced, and he has a worldwide religious and military Strength, economic strength behind him. Okay? So the seven heads have a blasphemous name. Mm -hmm. Are they the same name or are there seven different blasphemous names? It depends. It depends who you look at. I mean, uh, it says uh, that it could be anything anti Christ. Some Bible commentators believe it could be anything that is trying to take the focus off Christ. Uh, and so, you know, as we looked last week, Antichrist could mean anti, but it can also mean in replace of, right? So it's not just standing against Christ, but it is wanting to be worshipped in the place of Christ. And so when you look at Islam, right, they believe that Jesus was a, a prophet, right, but yet he was not God, right? And so you don't have, you don't have to ignore what he teaches, you just can't worship him. Right. So it could be either. Because heads is plural and name is singular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some look back to say that could be the head that is wounded that we're going to look at at some point. Um, There's just there's so many out there that I I don't feel confident in in really either any one. So what will the Antichrist or the beast or the abomination of desolation individual look like? Or what will he be like? So let's look at verses 2 and 3. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw on one of his heads as if he had been mortally wounded, right back to the one of a head. And his deadly wound was healed. And all of the world marveled and followed the beast. One, we have to see where his power comes from. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 told us who the dragon is. So the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And so we kind of looked at this chapter as the unholy trinity, right? You have the dragon, you have his uh, beast, who is the uh, antichrist, and then you have the false prophet, who is convincing and influencing people. But I want to, to call your attention to something, because what God does, Satan tries to imitate, 
but yet corrupt. We know that, that Satan appears as an angel of light. And so listen to what Jesus said about himself and the Father in John chapter 14, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Now, people who deny the Trinity use this verse and say, see, there is no Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All right? The Son and the Father are one. I, that's not what it means. All right? <laughs> there, there's nowhere, I think, in the Bible that teaches an anti-Trinitarian belief. All right? Even in the beginning, right, it talks about how the Spirit hovered over the water. Let us make man in our image. But what we see here is Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you know what the Father is like. And when we see the Antichrist or this beast that comes up from the sea, really what we see is his Father in him, right? The dragon, the devil. He is an imitation of him. And these animals that are described here, the leopard and the bear and the, and the lion, uh, some people look at that as one, you see the leopard that is quick, that is that it, it's, uh, something that can attack fastly or quickly. I don't think fastly is a word. But it's like the Antichrist. He blows up on the scene. Uh, some people say the feet of the bear, the strength that overcomes. You think about a bear and what can take it in the wild. So not only does his empire rise quickly, but with unimaginable strength. Or the mouth of a lion. When you think of a lion, you think of king of the whatever, right? It's this idea of in charge, in control, supreme. But there are also some references to these animals in the book of Daniel. And ultimately, we always want to go back to what does the Bible say somewhere else. And so in Daniel chapter 7, we see that the lion is representing Babylon. And their regal would have bared the lion. The Medo-Persia empire was like a bear. Their soldiers were said to have attacked with almost inhuman strength. It was an army that overwhelmed and then it should be Greece, not Crease, like my pants, but Greece, their expansion under Alexander Great was so quick and so fast, uh, it was almost unimaginable how great that empire became in such a short time. But either way, it's talking about the power, the strength, the authority of what this kingdom will be like. It will be like any other kingdom the world has ever known. All right, it will be all of these wicked, powerful nations rolled up into one. Okay? Uh, and so John chapter 5, though, says this, starting in verse 42 and 43. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And if you look there in that verse that we read, in verses 2 and 3 of Revelation 13, Now, the beast which I saw like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads, after it had been mortally wounded, and his dead, deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast, right? And so we're seeing this idea of following him. And so before we move into the significance of the power and the throne, uh, questions? Who is, uh, who is Jesus addressing? 
it's the Pharisees. But we can flip back there. In John chapter 5, if you have your copy of God's Word, John chapter 5, starting in verse 42 and 43, he's just got done talking about life and judgment, or through the Son. Uh, he's talking about the witnesses there, right? My witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, talking about the Holy Spirit. And then when it gets down to verse 41, it says, I do not receive honor from men. In verse 42 it says, But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another? And do not seek the honor that comes from only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And so Jesus is saying, why don't you believe? You don't believe, right? But you'll believe someone else. And you can see that sometimes in the Old Testament, but sometimes not in the Old Testament. You can look at how Israel would have someone like Jeremiah. Uh, prophesying the truth, prophesying the truth. And yet the multitudes would say, now don't listen to Jeremiah, right? We should go to war. And, and there was even times in the Old Testament when there would be a godly king who would listen to bad advice. And it would cause great harm. And so we just have to be very careful to know why during this time of great tribulation that there are going to be the masses who follow Satan. And this is where it gets kind of tricky because there's two views on Gentiles in the tribulation period, okay? There is the one view that holds the fact that there is no court of the Gentiles in the new temple, that there will be no Gentiles saved during the tribulation period, all right? That is a view. The other view is that the 144,000 witnesses are sent to all the world. And is it just to all of the Jewish people around the world, or is it to all the, the people in the world? And so uh, I hold to the second view that there are going to be Gentiles saved during the tribulation period. But that matters because, because of this. When we see the Bible tells us in the book of Thessalonians, and we're going to look at that in 2 Thessalonians, about the lawlessness and about the unrighteous deception um, and the fact that um, God has given them over to the spirit of, of unbelief and dissolution. You know, it's a big deal because if you remember the Left Behind movies, and there was a lot that was not great in them, I'll give you that. But it was just like for some people... Their loved ones were gone, and they're like, okay, now I know it's real. I'm going to believe. But what I have seen with most people, when they lose a loved one that are not Christians, more than not, it hardens the heart. Not always. And so I think we have to get to this understanding that whether Gentiles are going to be saved or not during the tribulation, it is going to be a very difficult time to come to Christ. And it's going to be a very difficult time when we look here later at the mark of the beast and all of those things um, about really following Christ or not. And so I just really wanted you to see that um, from this. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Okay? 
So, all right. Well, the power and throne here is really important. All right, um, because it, it ties back in to who Satan is in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So the prince of the power of the air of this world is referencing Satan. And you say, well, how does that apply when we think of Jesus? Well, if you look over in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan, one of the ways that Satan tempted Jesus was offering him the kingdoms of the world. You can't offer something unless you are in charge of it. Right? That's why Satan's goal has always been to unite a lost and broken world against the Lord. Look what it says there in Luke chapter 4. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of a time. And the devil said to him, all this, oh come on, authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. To me. <laughs> I know. And I give it to whomever I wish. Now, I do not believe that at this point Satan is lying. I believe that under the authority of God, he has become the ruler of this world for the purposes that God has set. And why he is able to give the Antichrist the kingdoms of the world is because they're his. And so it supports what we're seeing in chapter 13. That his power, his authority, his throne is being given to this individual. It's his to give. And so we see it exactly with Jesus when he is trying to be tempted, and now we see it. And so because Jesus will refuse it, I believe during the Great Tribulation, the beast or the Antichrist says, give it here. <laughs> I want it, right? And so it goes on and says in verse 7, Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. That's what Satan's always wanted. He's always wanted to be worshipped. You look at the book of Isaiah, and we're going to look at that, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. But I think it's important to see this, that the way that Jesus was tempted and overcome is the same way the Antichrist will be tempted. And he's going to say, my power, my authority, my throne is yours. All right? It's how Satan has worked in the past. It's the example that he set from the book of Luke. So, other questions? Absolutely. But it also could be a 
a perception that he had authority as well. I mean, he's... Well, no, I think that we see from different places in the Scripture the power of the air, the ruler of this world. Right. Um, coming to Christ with that is, is a bold move. Oh, absolutely. 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 I mean, you know, they're, you're confronting the creator with his creation. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if that is because when he was man, he was fully God and fully man. Um, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, it was, it's an obviously uh, an attempt to thwart and disqualify Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then this goes back to the same thing we saw Satan from the beginning, right? He tried to kill all of the firstborn children. You can look at different times throughout the nation of Israel when uh, all of the male offspring would have been killed except for one. And I can't think of the different kings and different things like that. But yet Satan has always tried to stomp out the line of the Messiah, even through the temptation of Christ, even through the crucifixion of Christ, right? Always trying to stop the plan of redemption that God has had before the foundation of the world. I listened to one uh, sermon this week. I'm listening to like eight hours of Revelation sermons a week right now. But um, one person said the reason they believe that in Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, that when it talks about the angels had left the abode of angels and had had relations with women that um, the reason that they thought that it was actual angels is because Satan was trying to create uh, a type of man that would create corrupt God's creation uh, and thus create the plan to keep a, a line uh, for the, the Messiah. Some people also view that as why another commentator, if you look here about the wounded head, says that the Antichrist might be a clone, a human clone at some point. Um, because he is so corrupt and so wicked. Uh, but yet those are all just interesting things that you can chase down. And I say that just because if you get so tied up in every detail, you're going to miss the point. All right? Um, but when you listen to eight hours of sermons every day, you're going to find a few squirrels. All right? Um, it just is what it is. I mow the yard. I've got it going on. I'm driving. I've got it going on. You know, I'm laying in bed trying to go to sleep, and i got it. Yeah, so, uh, but like I said, it's just really important to see that this is Satan's tactic. You want to rule for me. I want to rule through you. And all I want is your worship. And this last one, and we'll stop for some more discussion, is the wonders this individual will do. And I know we've talked back and forth about this a little bit of, is, has this already happened? Has it not already happened? But I think the reason I think it hasn't happened yet is because of what he does when he's here. And then the lawlessness, one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming one, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of who? Satan. Satan. So his power, his authority has been given to this individual. All right? Now, there's a couple things I, I want to call out to. Uh, one, when you look at what Satan is called, right? The son of perdition, right? The Antichrist is called, or the beast, or the lawless one is called the son of perdition. And some people think that Judas Iscariot is going to be revived to be the Antichrist. I do not believe that. I do not believe that this person is actually going to die because I do not believe Satan has the power to resurrect. 
All right? I believe he has the ability to uh, make it appear that he died. Uh, and you can see that in movies all the time. You can see special effects and all of that stuff to convince you that someone dies. But yet, I do not believe he has the power to raise someone from the dead. The gift of life results revolves solely around the Lord. All right? The breath of God that gave us one yes. in the first place. I mean, that's why I have a hard time with the Genesis 6, that Satan would have any sort of creative or procreative powers. It would be corruption. Is when you listen to it, it's a corruption, not a, a giving of life. It is a corruption of life. But absolutely, I, I see the problems in it as well. But look what it says here. The coming of the lawless ones is according to the working of Satan with all powers, signs, and lying wonders. All right, this individual is going to be able to do things that Satan can do. The power that Satan has. And so have we seen people throughout human history do wicked things? Absolutely. Right? You could say that Adolf Hitler had some power like Satan to, to destroy and massacre Jewish people. I was listening to another sermon series today um, uh, from uh, MacArthur, and he was talking about what most people don't realize about Nazi Germany. Uh, when you watch the, the Indiana Jones movies, you think, well, they weren't like that. They weren't looking for the Holy Grail. Actually, yes. Nazi Germany was deeply involved in Hindu. Yes. Yeah. Was just consumed with occultism. Yes, and so occult, dark magic. Uh, they traveled into some of the Far East to go to pagan temples. Uh, it is uh, evidence that sometimes Hitler uh, would wake up in, in vivid dreams and gibberish and tor And so, anyway, I just want you to see, though, that what we see here is was not just an evil. It was an evil inspired by Satan. But yet, even though we've seen power, we've not really yet seen the signs. Now, lying wonders can be false. All right, That can be a trickery, or it can be sometimes looked at as miracles that are done to trick. So you think about Moses when he went into Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh's magicians were able to do... What? Some things. You saw the movie, they threw down some snakes, the snake, you know. So there's this, there can be a false magic or it can be a false miracle. A miracle that Satan has been able to do. And so when you read that verse, if it was just power, I think you could say, alright, that could have been the case. But when you see power, signs, and lying wonders, I believe it points us to a person who is going to be given the power, authority, and throne of Satan that we see in Revelation chapter 13. I don't believe you can just read through that and say, well, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean power and signs and wonders, because even the evil Roman emperors did some terrible things, right? And even it is rumored that there was a, a belief that Nero had come back from the dead, um, but yet those were not real miracles. We know that, right? And so, but it goes on and says... And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And so when you go back to chapter 13, right, it says there in verse 4, And all the world marveled and followed 
the beast, right? So we see here in Second Thessalonians, they're following him. We see here in Revelation, they're following him because of the power, the wonder, and the miracles that he is able to do. And so that is what he is like. That is where he comes from. Questions? So, like I said, but More even hero per se himself, yeah, been, yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the office of Caesar, which I mean, they they worship Caesar as God, absolutely, and so because that was this belief that his he back, right? So, but why is he coming? Any other questions before why is he coming? All right, verses four through seven. So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. All right, this is important because when we go back to how Satan tempted Jesus, right? I'll give you this if you worship me. All right, you don't want to be lectured to, and now I'm trying to help you out there. All right, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months, or is that three and a half year period. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. So here's the idea that the first three and a half years, right? It's a time of peace. It's that white horse in Revelation 6. It's the covenant in the book of Daniel. And then he begins to blasphemy against God. To blaspheme his God, his name, excuse me, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so we see here that the goal is to worship, have himself, and the dragon worshipped. Alright, this is really important. But it's not just about being worshipped, it's also about persecuting those who worship God. One, I believe, because we saw in Revelation chapter 2, this great battle in heaven, he does not have access to God. Alright, he can't make accusation against the saints, he can't no longer wage war against heaven, because why? Him and his angels have been thrown down to the earth. I believe the church was raptured before the seven year period, so the church is not here to be persecuted. And so what does he do? He blasphemes against God. He's name-calling. He blasphemes his name, but also his tabernacle. And this is kind of a, a, a difficult place because um, if you believe that there has been a rebuilt temple, right, and the Jews have worshipped for three and a half years in the temple, what is the significance of tabernacle? Is there any... Is there any significance here. Why doesn't it say temple? Why doesn't it say tabernacle? And my answer to that is, I can't, I can't answer that. All right? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of, of opinions, but I don't think any of them are very good. And those who dwell in heaven, right? He cannot do anything to those who are in heaven, but yet 
he is furious. Right? I believe that at this period of time, he will begin to tell the world that your loved ones were taken by God. Right? That they are not in heaven with God. Things like that. Uh, If you want to see them again, you'll have to worship him. Uh, To blaspheme his name. uh, to, To... Assault Jesus as Jesus was not the Messiah. He's not the King of Kings. He's not the Lord of Lords. You need to worship me and the beast. You need to worship me and the dragon. But don't miss the end of verse 7 there. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. There is no one who is going to escape the persecution of the Antichrist other than, as we looked in the last chapter, of when the woman runs to the desert. Okay? So wherever a child of God is, in every tribe, tongue, or nation, they are going to face persecution. Alright? We know that some of them are going to die. I believe some of them will not die, but they will be persecuted up until the Lord's coming. But an authority was given him over every tribe tongue, and nation. This word authority is a lot in this chapter. It's mentioned a lot. And and Bible scholars struggle with this, right? Because why has God given this authority? Why, Why has Satan had this authority? And what I believe is this. Because the church is gone, right? The Lord is allowing Satan to punish wickedness. The world at this point is as wicked as it has ever been, right? The Holy Spirit's restraining power is gone. Now, I don't think that His saving power is gone, but His, his influencing is gone. I believe the righteousness that the church brings to the world as salt and light is gone. I mean, just imagine for one moment, and you're going to think this is political, but it's not. Just imagine if every single Christian was gone that votes according to what the Bible says. How much different America would look? You say, well, it wouldn't look much different. It would in local elections. It would look look different in certain states. Now, it wouldn't look different at all because Illinois is just a dumpster fire no matter what we do, right? But you start taking these um, the simple fact that you have um, so many drastic changes that have happened in America. For instance, whether you like it or not, Right? The overturning of Roe versus Wade. That is because millions and millions of Christians and non-Christians voted and someone appointed justices. Right? It, it has an effect. You might not like the effect. I don't like the effect sometimes the other way. Right? But when all of that influence is gone, imagine, imagine in most states if it wasn't for Christians and Christian attorneys and Christian groups your daughters would be able and sons to be taken out of school as 11 years old, 12 year old, 13 year olds have a gender changing surgery and be brought back to school and you never know about it. It's happening in places where there is little Christian influence. Little children taken from school changed and brought back, all right? Now, you imagine if everyone that is here to defend against that, and not everyone that defends against that is a Christian. Let's just say that, all right? Not everyone who supports well, gender. The moral aspect to yeah, beyond, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. 
But if all that is gone, just imagine. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so just imagine the wickedness that's going on in the world. And the world deserves it. I know that's not a popular, but God's mercy and grace that he has shown throughout this time, it's a time of judgment. It's a time when the world has revolted under the authority of the beast and the Antichrist and the false prophet to say, God, you are not God. We will not worship you. We will not honor you. That's why when you look back in the book of Daniel, it tells about um, in uh, chapter 7, who changes the set times and the laws. That's talking about the Jewish laws, but also just natural laws. The, the, the natural laws that make sense to us, that you're a boy, you're a girl, right? It, it, it's that this, this individual will take every kind of wickedness the world knows and put it into overdrive. It won't make sense for a couple that is of opposite sex to love each other. Wickedness will be pushed so much that it will be a total abandonment of the laws of nature, the laws of God, the loss of common sense, like Dave just said, none of that will be what is pushed. Yes, you, it will be the epitome of Romans 1, right? The epitome of it, as bad as it could possibly be. And this is why, I'm almost done, and then, like I said, okay, I'm not as close to being done as I thought I was. Never mind. So, but we'll still finish the time for you to get out of here. Why is he doing all of this? Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. Isaiah 14 says it right there. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What does God have? Other than He is God, He is, he is not created. The angels are not worshipped. Now I know there are some religions that worship the angels. But He says He wants His throne above the stars of God. All right? He wants to be even above the highest of angels. He wants to sit like the most high. Worshipped. He wants to be Worship. Look what it says in Matthew 24. Jesus saying, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show you great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. He says there's going to come many who don't just deny Christ, but they try to replace Him, right? They want to be the object of worship. And that is really important to see, right? That's why you can look back to the Charles Mansons, for some of you that are a little older than me, the Jim Jones. Um, multiple times through history, people David have claimed, Koresh. huh? David Koresh. David Koresh. I, you know, like I said, I think those are all before my time. But, that would have been during your time. That was the Waco. Oh, the Waco thing. Well, I would have been in, what was that, nine, the 90s? Yeah. Okay, I'd have been like the third grade. Huh? Yeah, so still not probably. He thought himself to be Christ. Yeah. And, and Jesus says they want to imitate. They want to corrupt. 
They want followers. And this is where I think we're going to stop just until we can jump in next week. You say, how could people follow that? How does someone get sucked into that? Well, friends, what you're going to see during the tribulation is a worldwide corruption of that. A worldwide following of that. Now, even up to 100 years ago, you would say, how could one man possibly corrupt the world? But think about now. Yeah, but now through the television and Internet, I mean, you can know what's going on all over the world. I mean, Joel Olstein can be broadcast in almost every country in the world, and that nonsense is ridiculous, but it's not Antichrist ridiculous. Right? I mean, it's the spirit of the Antichrist, I think. But, but just imagine the corruption. Huh? It is a one. Yeah. This is what he wants everyone right here. Consolidating power, whether it's religious, whether it's uh, economic, um, whether it's military, you're right. But what we have to keep coming back to is the why is he doing it? He wants to be worshipped. He wants to lead. So when you flip back over to chapter 19... And I know we're flipping back and forth, but it's very, very important. When you see here the fact that he is in chapter 19, verse 19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together. Right? It is this bringing them together. It is this idea of wanting to have rebellion. Um, If you remember in the Old Testament, there is a story... When man tried to build a tower, tower of, yes, in Genesis chapter 11. And if you remember, in verse 4 it says, And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest... We be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, what is the thought behind that? A lot of Bible commentators have different opinions. But I believe it was Satan trying to influence them to set up a throne for himself, to worship him, to have another assault. Huh? Absolutely. 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 And so because it goes on in verse 5, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the son of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the, one, the people are one. They were unified in their wickedness. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Now that's another statement that's will be a different sermon for a different day. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. And so did you notice? So God scattered them. Now this is important, all right? Because what most people read this as is, well, that explains why everybody speaks different languages. That's not the purpose behind this. It wasn't given to explain why someone speaks Spanish and Japanese. 
it is it is given to us to show that the wickedness of the human heart is rebellion. It's rebellion when we're in a different language, on a different continent, of a different ethnicity. Rebellion is in the heart of man. And what the Antichrist does is the same thing that we see in chapter 11. Everybody join me as we make an assault on who God is. And so the schemes have not changed. The, the purpose has always been the same. And what we do is we see it play out in chapter 13. And I think that there are people now, I've watched videos of people talking, and you're like, what are you even saying? You're not even making any kind of sense. And I'm not a, a real smart person, but you're not making any sense. Mm-hmm. They're just, because they're so uh, self-involved and self yeah. you know. Yeah. Centered. Yeah. Justification of sin. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to justify yeah. it. And let's be let's be clear. All of us struggle with justifying our own sin. Mm-hmm. All right. It, it, if you're here, you're saying, "Not me, Jake. I never make an excuse for my sin." <laughs> I saw Sumians eat, and you're going to justify that. All right. Um, but all of us struggle with justifying our own sin. Mm-hmm. All, it, it is the only thing that keeps us from that is the Spirit of God living within us, that convicts us, that shows us, that, that works in us, right? But like you were saying, when that hardness of heart sets in, and when we harden our heart and the Lord hardens it, we should not be surprised by any wickedness that comes out of the human heart, right? It is, it is evil. It is deceptive. It is wicked. It is corrupted to the core. And so we should not be surprised. Well, then, Babel, you... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, God already wiped out yeah. the wickedness that he saw before. It's already... It's interesting, to, it's interesting to see why he separated mm-hmm. instead of destroyed, which we know he promised not right. to flood the earth, right. but he could have done something else. Right. right. So it's interesting to see what is different in this rebellion as in the rebellion in Genesis 6. So, so you, the other one is, you know, in the Isaiah passage... Mm-hmm. How it says that I will be like the Most High. Mm-hmm. There's no way that he can achieve being the Most High. Satan can't change his ontology. Mm-hmm. His being will never be omniscient, right? Be omnipresent. There's probably scads of other attributes of God that he can never be. Amen. But those are the only two that come to mind. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Well, and it's like your example with the changing of gender. They can do all of that on the outside. I think the hardest thing for me uh, is, and mom and dad taught me this, was that it, when you're when you're saved, the spirit of God is the one that's, is directing you. Mm-hmm. When you're lost, the spirit of Satan is directing yeah. you. And so you have to have that Christ-like love for that lost person because they're being manipulated mm-hmm. by the great deceiver. Yeah. And it's difficult sometimes. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to look at a lost and broken world and 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 have love is sometimes very challenging. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's it is it really really is. All the more the marvel of God's mercy and grace. All right. Well, we are out of time.
And so we'll start in chapter uh, 13, verse 8 um, next time, and then that'll take us into the end of the chapter as well, uh, in verses uh, 9 through or 11 through 16.